millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week, we are having conversations with guests on different themes, and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view, and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today, our guest is Megan, who will tell us about her experience trying to get pregnant. As a disclaimer, this is a sensitive episode as we are talking about loss. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you are listening from Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure for daily positive education content. And now that it's said and you all went and subscribe, let's begin. Hi Megan, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, so thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to, to be speaking with you. We've been talking about doing an episode together for quite some time now. Yeah. <laughs> Could you please introduce yourself before we dive in? So I'm Megan. Um, I'm an occupational therapist. I work in an acute mental health setting. Um, I guess the reason I'm on the podcast today is to talk about pregnancy and um, pregnancy loss. So in November of 2020, I experienced an ectopic pregnancy. Um, I also, I, I then actually did get pregnant quite quickly after that and um, found out quite early I was pregnant with twins and I lost one of the twins mm. at about somewhere between seven and nine weeks. But I'm now 14 weeks pregnant and mm. have one, one viable pregnancy at the moment. So fingers crossed. <laughs> Yes, yes, hopefully. And yeah, I'm sure everything will, will be fine. So that's yeah. a lot in like a little time. Yeah, How, that's a lot to, to take. <laughs> How did you and your husband like take the news? How did you even find out? So the first one, um, you know, we were 
it was quite early on. So I think I was only about just under six weeks pregnant. Um, so we found out that I was pregnant on the Friday. And then by the Wednesday, I'd had some bleeding. So I went to get a scan done. And, you know, during that time, they found that the baby was actually situated in the left fallopian tube. Mm. And they admitted me to hospital and we're going to um, remove they their their kind the treatment they wanted to give straight away was to remove my fallopian tube I wasn't so keen for that and I didn't feel that that was necessary at that time because I wasn't experiencing any pain I didn't have any particular symptoms of an ectopic pregnancy and I I just felt my instinct at that time was I don't need that treatment because it Mm. felt very extreme to me you know before I've even had any children to have a fallopian tube removed and which does cut your fertility down by about 30 percent that really kind of made me feel quite anxious I didn't feel I needed that so the doctors although I was going against their advice they were respectful of my decision and agreed that they would keep me in hospital for 48 hours to assess my HCG level, which is your pregnancy hormone. And if that decreased in that 48 hours, it would suggest I was miscarrying naturally. And at that point, you know, there wouldn't, there would need to, they wouldn't need to offer any further treatment. Luckily for me, that was what happened. Um, so whilst it was a really difficult situation and it was you know not what I expected at all when I went for that scan it I it was the best outcome given that the pregnancy was ectopic Mm. Um, so I did feel grateful and lucky that I hadn't needed to have my fallopian tube removed Mm. Um, and you know again I was I was quite lucky that it was the first time that we'd really been trying so and Although, you know, I'm not not taken away from the situation, it was difficult. I think the fact that I'd known I was pregnant for less than a week probably made it a little bit easier. And again, you know, it is still a really difficult situation. And for other women going through that, it doesn't take away from the challenges. But I think personally, I was just trying to see the positives and look at the things you know that it could have been worse Mm. um and then quite soon after that probably about five or six weeks after that I got pregnant again and I felt in that pregnancy I just felt very anxious because Mm -hmm. I guess the only experience I'd had so far was quite a negative one and it was quite a scary experience of course so Mm. so I just I felt really anxious about it and I know my husband felt the same just kind of thinking is something else going to go wrong and then again at seven weeks I had another bleed so at that point I was thinking is this something else going wrong um, and you know I think the difficulty with pregnancy is actually a lot of symptoms a lot of miscarriage symptoms are also things that can be quite normal in pregnancy mm-hmm. so you don't really have a definite answer you're waiting for those scans or to see a medical professional before you can get that answer and sometimes that can take a few days which you know isn't that long in the grand scheme of things but when you're feeling anxious and wanting to know then it it does feel like quite a long time 
Um, mm-hmm. So at seven weeks, we went for another a scan and found that I was carrying twins. Um, but they found that one was measuring at about a week behind the other, okay. which at that point is actually a really small amount. It's only a few millimetres. So they weren't quite sure. They kind of prepared me that it may be that the bigger twin is just taking all the nutrients and that's and the smaller one won't survive or it may be that you know it'll catch up and things will be fine mm-hmm. so I had to wait another two weeks to to go back for another scan just to find out I think that was probably the hardest period that two weeks of waiting mm-hmm. um I can imagine mm. yeah so th- that was quite a challenge and then when we went back they they had no sign of the second baby so um, found that it was it was like one viable pregnancy at that time so yeah and since then yeah we've had yeah, more scans I... okay so mm-hmm. you were you were trying to have a baby with your husband yeah and it's actually great that you managed to sort of stand up for yourself and went against the advice from the doctor and I think not everyone would be able to do that so I don't know if it's something that you felt on the moment that you were like no that doesn't sound right or is it because you have some knowledge already or how did you make that decision I think what it is you know having I I work in healthcare I've worked with lots of different doctors and, and medical professionals you know and for me I've I I don't you know, I'm not disrespecting what other professionals do. But everyone has a different style of working. And I know some people can be quite risk averse and will maybe give, you know, lots of medical treatment to try and reduce risk. And other professionals will take more of a conservative approach and they will, you know, perhaps take a bit of risk, see how things go. And at that time, I just thought I'm I'm someone that's would take more of a conservative approach. I don't I don't think we need to act as quickly as we do sometimes um, in health in healthcare settings. Mm. And I just felt for me, my body isn't telling me that I need this operation. If if I was in severe pain, then yes, of course I would have gone for it. But I wasn't. I had no pain at that time. And, you know, what the doctor was saying to me is, but this this could rupture. And if it ruptures, you'll have an internal bleed and it could kill you. Mm. But I, you know, I felt I'd know if if I was about to have a rupture and I just I didn't feel that. So, you know, the doctor, as I said, the doctor was really respectful of my decision. And she she I kind of was weighing up what I wanted to do between me and my husband we were having these discussions and she she said you know what you're everything you're saying is sensible and I respect that but you you are going against my advice and basically um but actually I for me that just was what felt right Mm. I think maybe if I didn't work in healthcare and when I spoke to some of my other friends about it afterwards they were kind of saying I would never have gone against that advice I would have just gone with it but as I said, I've worked with lots of different people and there's some people that I think 
I would probably do what they do. And there's other people that I think I would have taken a different decision there. And I just had the feeling when, when she was making that decision that I, that's not what I would naturally do. So I'm not going to go with that. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then actually I saw a different consultant the next day and he he's what he said his treatment pathway would have been was exactly what I'd done. So that made me feel better because actually I I thought, okay, it was, it was just two completely different ways of working and her Mm. way just didn't particularly suit me. And Mm. I'm really glad now, you know, because I could be sitting here now saying, actually, I had to have fallopian tube removed when it, it clearly wasn't necessary. And I think, and I think that goes the other way as well. I remember reading a story afterwards online of someone else that had had an ectopic pregnancy and they'd gone to their midwife in severe pain and their midwife had told them actually this is you know this is normal people do get bad cramps when they're pregnant and actually that person had then got to the point of emergency and had a rupture and had an internal bleed luckily they survived it but it I think it just kind of highlighted for me listen to your instinct Mm-hmm. if you know you're in in severe pain it might not look like that from the outside you may have a fairly high pain threshold but you need to just stick to your instinct and say no this you know insist on that scan if that's what you think you need mm. yeah for sure no it's good uh, it's good to be to be aware of that and know that also you can ask more questions like how urgent is that what is the worst thing that can happen if we go through it if we don't you know like mm-hmm. have the the point coins and then yeah as you said you made the decision and took some time to talk about it with your husband so that you're both okay with the decision so I think it's uh, it's important as well to yeah and you know mm, go ahead I think the way I'm telling the story now is as if I was just completely sure there and then that's not what I was going to do but of course when you've got someone who's a professional in that field who is so knowledgeable and they're saying this is what you should do you know of course I wasn't just like no I'm not going to do that I took some time I had to go away and talk about it I rang my mum I you know and I was really kind of weighing it up and I was thinking Mm -hmm. am I am I right to go against this person's advice that obviously knows what she's talking about a lot more than me but equally she doesn't know my body and she doesn't know how I feel so Mm, yeah yeah, it must be it must be complicated but so they gave you some time did they say you have until like that time to make a decision or were they just quite cool about it no she said she I think she said I'm going to go and see someone else and I'll come back and let me know you know let me know your decision she gave me the consent forms with all the information on I think what they actually did as well was because they would they said I had to stay in overnight and my surgery was going to be in the morning and I I said I don't I made the decision I don't want the surgery but they they kept me on the surgery list just in case Mm. I changed my mind overnight so then I was woken up at like 6am by the anaesthetist trying to trying to prepare me for surgery but you know I just I said at that point I, I don't want it I'd already made that decision mm-hmm. I see and it's good that your husband was with you because I know especially during COVID yeah. sometimes you cannot even bring someone for a scan because if I understand correctly you were just going for a scan 
and yeah. then you discovered this so it's quite big news so I can't even imagine if you were completely alone yeah we and yeah we were really lucky because I know at the beginning of COVID you know if that had been five months before he he probably wouldn't have been able to be there um, and I know even now there's some parts of the country that have gone back to doing that and they've they're not allowing um, partners in for scans even now but I think there was that big kind of no was it but not maternity campaign um, and from that I think a lot of hospitals have started allowing partners in for for scans so that's really positive mm. we were lucky for that for sure for sure and so yeah what what happened after this uh, this this first experience did you need to get support did you got connected for example what did they tell you at the hospital I wasn't really told that much on my discharge to be honest I'd again I don't know maybe it would have been slightly different had I been on a different ward but you know as I mentioned I do I work in mental health I work in the same hospital that I was in mm. and when I was put on the first ward um which was the gynecology ward one of my patients ended up in the bed next to me so I had to be moved um to a, a different ward because obviously I didn't want her to overhear um you know my, the information and things like that so I was then moved to I think a surgical ward um so I didn't really I had consultant the consultant came and saw me like every day that I was there but I didn't the care wasn't necessarily tailored to what was happening for me at that time um so when I was discharged I didn't really get any information I remember I spoke to my GP and she was really sympathetic and she was just asking me you know do you need anything else um but I guess, you know, I could have gone looking, I could have looked online, I'm fully capable of doing that. Um, but I, I just didn't really feel that was necessary for me at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my way of dealing with it was more distraction. And uh, initially, I remember the day, probably the first day and the day after I was discharged, I was like researching stuff online, looking at other people's stories. And it was actually becoming maybe a bit obsessive and it really wasn't Mm. helpful. And, you know, reading about someone who had an eptopic and then went on to have another one or then went on to have multiple losses. Those are the kind of stories that come up on a lot of these forums because it's people that have had a really hard time and are looking for answers and help. Mm. But it's just not what you really need to read. Um, So yeah I had to kind of stop myself and actually also I was looking for I think I was looking for answers and they're just not there you're never going to get them you just Mm. need to kind of be able to draw a line under it and move on and I think for me that was probably a lot easier to do because it was at such an early stage I imagine for people that get to say 12 weeks Mm. and have something like that happen I imagine that's a lot harder Mm, for sure and so how are you feeling today because right now you're pregnant are you sort of announcing it are you yeah so I've not done the whole like social media thing um I've told I t- obviously 
I found out at seven weeks that I was expecting twins. So I told my, we both told our immediate families and very close friends then. Mm-hmm. And then we had another scan at nine weeks where we found out we'd lost one. And my mum was just like dying to tell everyone that I was pregnant. So I, I said she could tell kind of my aunties and a few other people. And so, mm. so did my husband's mum. And then, yeah, when we had the 12 week scan, I did start to tell a few of my friends, but I, I don't know, maybe I felt probably a little bit more cautious um, than I would have done if this had just been my first pregnancy and really straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Because sometimes we say, oh, you have to wait 12 weeks to tell someone, but then equally, you're going to need your immediate family if something goes bad or you know I think it's something that we should not forget is that you you're able to tell anyone you want if you want to tell everyone it's it's your call but then also maybe it's important to to tell people that you know they're going to be there if something goes bad or if everything goes well like definitely and I think I think what um what was you know during the first pregnancy because it was so early on like I said I'd only found out on the Friday and was in was admitted to hospital by the Wednesday we hadn't told anyone yet so actually I was ringing my family from the hospital to tell them what was happening and so the second time I was like I don't want that to happen I want them to know and then if anything goes wrong it's it's less of a shock if that makes sense then next time I was like I want them to know as early as possible because I didn't want to be in that position again I you know it wouldn't be as much of a shock if things had gone wrong Mm, for sure yeah it must be it must have been also I mean of course for you it was it was way worse but I can imagine if your daughter says okay I have to make this very important decision help me uh, there must be also a bit like, mm. oh my God, what should I tell her? I can imagine also that, you know, it's it's quite a big decision to make. And so for you, you're making it for yourself with the help of your husband. But sometimes I can imagine it must be hard to to advise people on, on such matters. So it's also good that you yeah. got the support of your family, that they were responsive and, you know, available when you made yeah. the call. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think that was really helpful, kind of, yeah, having other people to talk to about it and bounce ideas off as well. Mm -hmm. Because then it must have been also hard, I can imagine, to announce to, for example, your friends, because you still want to share the news, as in because you need support or you need to, I don't know. But, like, if you felt the need to to tell your, your best friends, then, yeah it's um it's always mm. a bit a bit tricky and then yeah you so after after this experience no I think know. I think what was um difficult as well was the second time round when you know we were telling a few of our close family and friends it was you know yeah I am pregnant again there's two but potentially something's going to go wrong with one of them so even then it was mm. kind of like it is nice snooze but it it was quite bittersweet of course I can imagine for sure yeah 
And after this first experience, did you decide right away with your husband, like, let's try again? Or did it take some time for you to consider if you um, wanted to, to try again or not? It, it, was, it was a bit of a difficult one because the doctor, well, one of the nurses I'd seen, I said to her, you know, no one's really told me what I'm, a, what I'm meant to do. Do I have to wait? we conceive again I'm able to try and she said no you need to wait three months um but then I I started looking online and actually found that there was a fairly big research study within the last few years and they found that you're more likely to have a successful pregnancy if you get pregnant within three months after a loss mm. um and I'm sure you know I'm sure there's definitely like exemptions to that if I know for example if you've had certain medications after a loss or possibly if you've had surgery that might change things um, mm -hmm. so it is always worth speaking to your doctor and asking them specifically but this this was just kind of more of a general nurse on the wards that didn't she wasn't specific to um, gynecology or you know an obstetrician um service so she, that was kind of the advice she gave but when I looked into this research I thought actually no it it looks like I should be okay we weren't really actively trying we just said if it happens it happens um mm. after that and and you know we were really lucky that we fell pregnant very quickly again I think if if anything could gone wrong again with that one it, I probably wouldn't I remember saying at the time I, I can't put myself through this again in such a short period of time I'd have needed to of wait course. I think yeah but at that heal. time it felt it felt okay you know I felt like mm -hmm. we could manage mm. that yeah I can understand yeah well so far positive news it's like congratulations it's it's Thanks. amazing and yeah uh, yeah I it's it's gonna be as in It's, it's true that it must take a little bit of the happiness then to, you know, even as you said in the announcement, it's a bit bittersweet. So it's, this is the way it is, sadly, but uh, mm. still congratulations. And Thanks. yeah, <laughs> is yeah. there any advice that you would like to share? Um, I guess, I guess the main things are kind of trust your instinct. Um, you know, if things are... I guess it's it's hard to trust your in instinct sometimes if you're feeling quite anxious because sometimes mm -hmm. it's it's hard to work out what what is anxiety and what is your instinct but do you know do try and trust your instinct as much as possible um I think as well just allow yourself to feel how how you feel don't don't think oh you know I'm being I'm overreacting or I'm I'm feeling sorry for myself it's how you feel is is acceptable it's it's okay and everyone will feel different in in certain situations there's nothing wrong with that I know I know when you know particularly I think I really struggled when we found out that we'd lost the twin and I kept saying to myself I kind of felt that I was being selfish and I shouldn't feel like that because I still had one that was okay no yeah no but you should actually feel the way you feel yeah yeah you know and I think it's okay to grieve that and 
to recognize that you know that was a really hard time and we'd we'd had sort of these two weeks of hoping that things were going to be okay so when they weren't I think that was yeah that was a real challenge and I think you've just got to allow yourself to feel how you feel and I think Mm. for other people as well sometimes people try and be they're trying to be kind and there's no malice in it whatsoever but they'll try and like look at the bright side of things and sometimes you need to just be able to go do you know what this is actually a really shit situation and I don't want to look at the bright side of it right now and that's okay too Mm -hmm. yes and two weeks is so long when you're waiting to know it's it's huge really when Mm. you're waiting for something two weeks it feels like forever so it must have been very challenging for sure and even yeah yeah also you need some time to to grieve to even understand how you feel and then not yeah not dismiss your feelings because then they might come back in a different form sometimes yeah so yeah definitely Mm. yeah so I think I think that's kind of the main things is just to yeah allow yourself to feel how you feel and also if you're going to look for information because uncertainty it's the same with COVID you know when we're feeling uncertain about things or we don't have answers you you go looking for them and sometimes you just got to accept that they're not there and Mm. reset you know looking at other people's stories of what happened to them or trying to find out you know why miscarriages might happen or why one twin might not survive it's it's not helpful it Mm. you're never going to get that answer what I'd say is more helpful is looking up how to manage uncertainty how to manage those emotions because you know for me I'm a very practical person every time I see a problem I I look for a solution and with things like this there just aren't solutions sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and everybody also is very different and Mm. you don't know how yeah I mean you don't know how one will react in your body and things like that so it's uh yeah it must be very tough to be looking for for answers and not finding any so yeah I mean thank you so much for sharing your story you've been brave enough to go through this and then talking about it in such a a small amount of time so thank you so much it's very helpful to understand no worries thank you for having me and thank you for you know raising awareness about these kind of issues I think it's really important yes of course thank you so much Megan thank you so much for listening feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Bye.